welcome everybody again to another episode of the Blue Banter Podcast, a podcast where we're seeking to introduce the members of the RPCNA to the pastors of the RPCNA and to glean wisdom for young and aspiring pastors by interviewing men with ministry experience. I am one of your co-hosts, Joe Smith, pastor of Westminster Reform Presbyterian Church in Westminster, Colorado. My name is Aaron Murray, the pastor of Marion Reformed Presbyterian Church here in the beautiful, gorgeous, stunning Marion, Indiana. Now, I know Synod was a few weeks ago, and by the time this recording actually comes out, it'll be a few months ago, but I was having lunch with a fellow pastor there uh, during Synod, and he told me he was driving up here to do pulpit supply for us uh, a number of years ago, and it was on that drive, whether to Marion or from Marion, that he decided that he was going to propose to his girlfriend, now wife. Now, I can only assume that he was inspired by the beauty of Marion, and he just thought about the beauty of marriage that made him really just get over that hump of uh, proposing to his girlfriend. At least that's the narrative that I'm going to push. That's the narrative that I'm going to believe. So Marion is a, a beautiful, beautiful city. We have uh, this uh, afternoon our guest who actually comes by recommendation from one of our listeners who sent us an email, Paul Bart. So, Paul, thank you for this recommendation. Our guest is Stephen Rockhill, pastor of Living Way Reformed Presbyterian Church. So, Stephen, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, sure thing. Big howdy from Texas. That's what we say here <laughs> in our neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, big, big howdy. You, uh, When we were emailing back and forth trying to set up this uh, interview, you, you kept saying howdy in your emails. And I was really hoping that you'd be wearing a cowboy hat during this interview. But uh, I'm a little disappointed. Oh, I, I should have. You know? <laughs> But, I had uh, one, and I yeah, got uh, last year. I finally got boots. So, <laughs> nice. and, and how, how long have you been in Texas? Uh, been here for uh, six years now. Yeah, you've been there for six years, and it, and you still haven't gotten cowboy boots yet. Well, I I just got them last well, you, year. You just so. got them last year. Okay, so are, you are officially a Texan. Yeah. Then. Okay. They're they're expensive, so I had mm-hmm. to save. Them. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I mean, you know, we're in Indiana and I've been wanting cowboy boots for a long time and I keep looking for them um, to get them used and they're still like 80 bucks used and I'm like, no, nope, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so maybe maybe someday, maybe someday I can uh, make the plunge. But um, I am particularly <laughs> excited to um, have you on the podcast because, you know, our, our other guests I've known um, a little bit at least, but this is really the first time that at least we were talking earlier that I can remember us um, chatting. So this question is really going to be beneficial for me as much as it will be for our listeners, but a very basic, you know, how did the Lord bring you to himself? You know, what's your testimony? And then how did you end up as a pastor in the RPCNA? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I, um, well, I grew up, I didn't grow up in Texas. I'm not a native Texan. Uh, actually, uh, grew up in uh, Southern New Jersey, uh, just outside of Philadelphia and, uh, um, was born and raised, uh, Roman Catholic and my my mom was the uh, the faithful Catholic, taking us to church every week. And my dad was not really anything uh, lapsed Episcopal. Um, there, there's a whole another whole story I want to get into about his his story. But it just basically the the gist of it is is that the Lord just really grabbed a hold of my dad in uh, kind of an interesting way um, through a, a TV program, and um, and he just started reading the scriptures and in, in the old testament and um and then he just kept reading um and so then he listened was listened to christian radio a lot uh and came along and eventually he was kind of starting to come to church with us after a while he said well we just we got to get out of here <laughs> and we bounced around for quite a while different churches um we went to a independent fundamentalist baptist church was the first church we kind of settled into after the catholic church and it was you know we still sort of have nightmares of you know going from a half hour mass service to an hour long hellfire brimstone preaching service it was pretty uh pretty much of a short culture shock for my uh siblings and i uh anyway we eventually how, ended how, up how old were a, you steve how old were you guys when you kind of transitioned out of the roman catholic church uh, into the well, church? i think it was about eight or nine or so and I was the youngest of four at the time. And so, um, yeah, I think my oldest brother was probably about 14 okay. uh, at okay. that time. Okay. Do, do you remember we, the uh, TV show that or your dad was watching? Yeah. You know, this is this is kind of interesting. I um, I 
I don't really know what exactly what it was, but I think it was like the late great planet Earth. Really? Like Hal okay. Lindsey. Okay. And because I remember I was at a friend's house and I came home and my dad was like, hey, you missed this really neat show, you know, and he was telling me all about it. And I guess they had scripture passages, you know, a lot of, as you can imagine, a lot of things from like Ezekiel. And, and so he sort of dusted off our family Bible and just started reading in the Old Testament and and again, the Lord just really used the, the word to just draw them in. Mm. Um, so mm. well, that's that's amazing. I and, mean, the, the Lord uses yeah. the great late planet Earth, right, to bring people to oh, Himself. Yeah, I know it's you know, and it, it's kind of gives hope to a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you know, as the as the Lord works in uh, in mysterious ways. Well, the, the the key thing, I guess, with his you know life was this Christian radio, um, and that's really where he really got. Uh, exposed to more reform teaching and I, he told me you know, he just started going through the phone book and calling up churches and saying hey this is what i believe is that what you believe um and i think it was just a, another baptist pastor said you know well you're looking for you know a reformed or presbyterian church and so he mm-hmm. he jumped down <laughs> in the phone book and said the first church that we kind of settled into that was reformed was was actually what was called a Reformed Presbyterian uh, Evangelical Synod Congregation. Okay. Uh, the RPCS, I think, actually has, you know, they, they I think, originally were, you know, part of the RP body way back when. Um, and we, we went to that church. They had a very uh, active youth group, and I got involved in the youth group there. And then after a while, we ended up going to a PCA church, a church plant that was just closer to our home. And it was shortly after then, or after that time that the RPCS merged into the PCA. Um, but we still, since it was a small church plant, we still ended up going to the youth group at the other church. And that's where I feel like I really, you know, began to understand the gospel and, uh, you know, and just... The, the foundation, we actually had a really good uh, youth uh, pastor at the time. Uh, he was a seminary student. Uh, he and his wife uh, were the, the youth leaders. And and so I really, you know, really, and it was very solid. And so, you know, he it wasn't fluff stuff that we were going over with. I remember, you know, we were talking about, you know, the different uh, uh, millennial perspectives was one of our studies in youth group. Um, so it was, it was very meaty. Well, at one point, I mean, I always thought I was kind of a pretty good person. And um, so my oldest brother, kind of right at the time that my dad became a Christian, um, my oldest brother, who was about 15, uh, got involved in drugs and alcohol and um, through, you know, just in, in high school. And that, you know, became a pretty significant issue in our uh, in our family for you know for many years afterwards but but that kind of plays a key role in my conversion because um he got arrested uh well i mean he got arrested numerous times during you know his his life but one time one particular time he got arrested and you know the local newspapers at the time used to have these little police blotters right little blurbs in the paper about hey here's you know this person you know police activity and it was a couple of days later, a friend of mine at school came up and said, hey, you know, I saw your brother was arrested and, you know, he wanted to know all the gory details. And I just, I mean, I was just really embarrassed and ashamed and even angry. And there's kind of a little bit of backstory. I won't necessarily go into it all, but my relationship with my oldest brother wasn't great. Um, later, I began to make the connection that you know whenever he was high he got to be very abusive and um and was just you know became a totally different person so i had this this kind of bitterness toward him anyway and so i was just really angry um and you know again embarrassed about this with this friend of mine said and so i'm i was home that night couldn't sleep was just tossing and turning was just really just angry um and then I, you know, I thought, well, you know, we're learning in, you know, church and youth group about Jesus and, you know, what he does. You know, maybe, maybe what Tom needs is, you know, he needs Jesus. And so 
So I kind of laying in bed there and I just started praying for him. But in the midst of praying for my brother, it just kind of hit me. I need this for myself. And, and the Lord really used that then, you know, that I started to say, Lord, you know, forgive me of, of my sins. And I, you know, have all this, this anger and, and bitterness. And it, it's just one of those things that it's, it's really hard to explain, but it was just like, after I prayed, it just, it was gone. Mm. And I had a t- totally different view of my brother from that point on. And, um, you know, and just how I, I tried to, you know, be an encouragement to him. And and then later, you know, again, he, he kept up this lifestyle for, for about 18 years before it eventually took his life. Uh, but, you know, he was in and out of rehabs in prison and, and I'd go to visit with him and, and just, you know, share the gospel with him. And, um, you know, he never, he never made a profession of faith. He, he always said he was going to have a deathbed conversion and, um, you know, and so it's, it just kind of was a sad ending, I guess, um, because we just didn't have the, the, any kind of assurance, but it's interesting as I, as I reflect back on that, you know, and how really the Lord used that and used my brother and his situation to really guide the trajectory of my life. So, um, and then this kind of will lead into, you know, the ministry aspect. So when I was about 17, um, and one, one thing, and I'll just back up a little bit. So I, you know, I, you know, became a Christian or, you know, was how, how you want to describe it that, that night when I was trying to pray for my brother, but I, I made one significant error. Um, and that is I, I didn't tell anybody because I, you know, my older siblings, they thought my dad was just kind of a religious nut and, and I didn't want to, you know, I said, well, I want to just, I'm going to just kind of try to read the Bible and pray and, you know, try to live like a Christian, but I'm not going to say anything. And, um, and I, I try to encourage people, you know, young people, as I do like church information studies today, you know, and I try to, you know, I share that with them, you know, and encourage them as a, no, you know, that, that was wrong. And, you know, I need, you know, when you profess faith in Christ, you know, when you come to Christ, you've got to, you've got to make that public profession and, um, you know, and, and really stand on, uh, on that identity of who I am now in Christ. And so it wasn't until my, my other brother, older brother had become a Christian and he sort of said something to me, Hey, you need to be thinking about this. And I said, well, actually I already have, (laughs) Um, so we actually made profession of faith together, um, hmm. my other brother and I. And um, so anyway, so when I was about 17, um, I've actually thought about the ministry and kind of did a, you know, a, a self-evaluation. And I just thought, you know, I hate, I hate to, I, I just can't talk to in public, you know, public speaking, speaking, I just mm-hmm. can't do that. So mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like a sigh of relief. Okay, I'll go do something else. Um, later again, I look back and I see it was just fear. Um, and and yet the Lord was patient um, and kind of took the, the long way around. Um, so I went to Geneva College, and that was my introduction to the RP Church. I knew nothing about the RP Church at that time. And... Uh, Spent the, f- the four years there, and then I um, I was in uh, counseling. Social work was kind of my area of interest. I went to graduate school at uh, Kansas State University, um, and it was when I was at K State I, that I kind of like, well, I you know met all these RPs from Kansas. There's got to be an RP church somewhere around here, and at the time there wasn't. A congregation in Manhattan, but in Clay yeah. Center, about forty minutes out. Um, so I I traveled out there to go to worship, and that's when I actually came into the RP Church. Was in the the Clay Center congregation. So and, studying at Geneva um, didn't do it for you. 
Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, then I, uh, I went back to the Philadelphia area and I worked as a social worker and a child therapist in a foster care agency for about seven years. And at some point along the line, I had thought about going back to school, but I wasn't quite too sure like what I would go back to school for. And somewhere along the line, I, my pastor, Bill Edgar, I went to the Broomall congregation, uh, and Bill Edgar had given me a book. I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar with Rich Gans. Uh, Rich Gans was the, uh, founding pastor of the Ottawa RP church. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And, um, and Rich was, uh, he's, uh, you know, was Jewish and he was a, I don't know, like a psychologist or psychiatrist, um, working in New York city. And, you know, he's got his own. And so, so anyway, Bill Edgar recommended, I read this book that, that, uh, Rich Gans wrote called psychobabble. And a basic part of it was just his account of, his conversion, um, but not just his his conversion from you know Judaism to Christianity, um, but also um, how he went from a secular psychologist to you know a pastor in the RP Church. And there was a chapter in there, a section in the book where he was kind of expounding upon uh, Ephesians four, uh, like eleven to fourteen or whatever that passage there you know, about pastors and teachers. And I know there's, you know, a little bit of controversy, people, you know, where do you place the commas, you know, is the pastor responsible for all these things or, but, you know, he, his approach, and it really stuck with me was that, no, the pastor teacher's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, you know, and so in that chapter, he talked about how, how he basically continues his counseling ministry First of all, through the priority of the preaching ministry, uh, the preaching of the word, but then also, you know, people want to counsel him. You know, he want if people want him to to be counseled by him. He always said, "Well, you got to come to church. You got to be sitting under the preaching of the word." And and so that really stuck with me the idea of ministering and counseling from the pulpit through just the preaching of the gospel. Uh, um, and that that seemed to make a lot of sense. And so I mentioned that to to Pastor, you know, Bill Edgar, and he said, you know, take some time to pray about it. And I and I did. And so another thing that happened is in my job as a social worker, I got into doing foster parent recruiting and training. And there was a particular Saturday we were doing a, a training workshop for uh it was kind of like an interagency training for foster parents throughout the city of Philadelphia. And I'm doing one of the workshops and it just kind of hit me, you know, here's a room of, you know, 60 foster parents and I'm basically teaching and I'm enjoying it and seems mm -hmm. to be pretty effective. So like, okay, I see what you're doing, Lord. <laughs> um, so anyway, I thought about, it's like, Hey, maybe I need to, think about seminary just to go to seminary. And um, at the time I couldn't really quit my job and, and just, you know, go, I was like, well, I need to be able to support myself somehow. So I, I decided I was still single at the time I was going to start my, an aggressive savings plan. And, uh, and then a couple of months later I met my, the woman to be, who was going to be my wife. So the savings plan went out the window <laughs> But uh, but we you know early on in our in our dating um, I we talked about just the uh, you know seminary as the, as the possibility and and um, and so we got married and then within a year we had moved across the state and uh, started at the at the seminary and then after I graduated I spent some time just working at the RP home while I was candidating. And uh, and then got a call. Was actually in Lisbon, New York, for 15 years, mm -hmm. um, and served there as as the pastor there. And then six years ago, coming here to Texas. So, thought that was probably a little bit longer than I was hoping that would be. But no, no, that was that that was great. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure to see how the Lord brings His people to Himself, and then how the Lord raises up servants to um, you know shepherd the flock. So, I, I appreciate that. Joe, do you have any follow up questions about? Uh, any of this testimony or call to ministry? 
I was just, I know. I mean, I think that was excellent and detailed and, and, and good. What, what years were you in seminary? So uh, I started in uh, 1998 and graduated in 2001. Cool. So all cool. your, a lot of your professors were either had just graduated before me or my classmates mm -hmm. or were just behind right. me. <laughs> that's kind of what I was wondering a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, that's... no, that's great. Um, and something you said in, in your testimony there serves as a nice transition into our next question. You, you kind of mentioned that the idea of ministering and counseling from the pulpit through the preaching of the gospel is what, um, one of the things that really stirred you up to desire pastoral ministry and so this is the question we always ask all the guys. Uh, we're curious, and especially since you kind of have uh, somewhat of this mindset toward counseling, uh, just what is your, your own philosophy of preaching? What, what should it be seeking to accomplish? Uh, you know, how do you preach? Why, and, and why do you preach uh, the way that you do week in and week out? Okay. Yeah, I think um, just... I don't know if I necessarily have a full philosophy of, of ministry, but just, you know, the, the idea. And, and again, this goes back to that original thing that grabbed me in, in uh, Rich Gann's book is, is just, you know, the transforming power of the gospel and the, and the work of the spirit through the word. And, um, and so I definitely, as I preach, you know, I, I definitely want to, you know, I strive to, you know, reach not just the, the mind, but also the heart um and yeah and and to to really bring out but but i think really the and maybe my my approach has refined over the years but but i really try to focus on bringing out the meaning of the text i mean just very simple and basic um and you know every year um ligonier uh puts out a state of the church survey and I think the Barner group does one every year, every two years, uh, something similar. And, you know, and it, it always strikes me that the, 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 uh, the place of the word of God in the church and even sadly in a lot of just from the pulpits is just missing. Right. So you have people who profess to be Christians, but they really don't know anything about about the word of God, because they're getting just, you know, here's seven, you know, seven tips to a better marriage or, you know, that, that kind of thing. And they, they really don't understand what the Bible is saying um, and, and what it's there for. So that's kind of, I sort of had taken all that in and that really just guides my, uh, my preaching as far as um, you know, my particular approach. I mean, I, I've, so I, when I when I started at seminary back at the at the turn of the last century, <laughs> um, it was a little bit different because the way it was set up. So we had um, Dr. Wayne Spear did the introductory preaching class, and then he also did kind of a, a doctrinal preaching class. Um, but then at the time, the New Testament pre professor Ed Robeson taught a New Testament preaching class. And the Old Testament professor, Duncan Lowe, had an Old Testament preaching class. And so you really got, you know, I know like after I left, Denny Pruto came and it it just kind of, you know. Consolidated, yeah. He, he, yeah, here's, here's the model you follow. Mm -hmm. But I think it was good to get exposure to those different approaches. Um, you know, Duncan Lowe was, was you know, kind of redemptive historical um, and uh, Ed Robeson, you know, was kind of, you know, searching for those nuggets in the text. And, and then of course, Wayne Spear was very systematic in his, in his approach. So, so I actually started out when I started in ministry back in 2002, I had like a, an outline. It was like a three page outline. But then as I was trying to improve my preaching, you know, you, every once in a while it's, you know, it's good to kind of listen to your own preaching sermon, you know, your own preaching tapes or whatever. And so I did that a couple of times. And like, man, I'm I'm omen and all and, 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 you know, just all this awkward connection. So 
So I tried to, I, I kept the outline, but I, I did more leading sentences for, especially for the transition points. <laughs> well, I kept adding and adding and adding. <laughs> and so, you know, I go from a three page outline to now a, a six page manuscript in outline format. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, that's pretty much where I've now I just, it's more like eight or nine pages. Cause I have to blow up the font, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that that was just the way, you know, it was helpful for me to, to try to improve my preaching to help with some of those transitions and, um, and just to go from, and, and now I, I look back at some of my old notes from early on and I was like, you know, looking at these sketchy outlines, like, what did I say? <laughs> right. <laughs> so oh, then I figured, well, if you got a manuscript, you know, and if you become famous, and then they might want to publish your <laughs> service later, and you got them all laid out, right? <laughs> so, there you go. There you go. Even if it's hundreds <laughs> of years from now, yeah. Exactly. No, that's, exactly. That's good. Um, yeah. So, so you said again these kind of ideas. Um, you you desire to counsel from the pulpit. And, and you have this wonderful focus on, on bringing out the meaning of the text. And you noted that you um, have moved towards, you know, a pretty full manuscript uh, or close to it, at least. So could you tell us what that in-between process looks like, what it looks like from the time uh, you start preparing for a given sermon? And, and, and you know, with, with the idea of, of counseling and bringing out the gospel and exposing the meaning of the text, what is that looking like? Uh, what what specific questions are you asking from the text? How are you working through yourself discerning the meaning so that you can have clarity to give that uh, yeah. to the congregation? And what just what does that middle process of preparation look like yeah. for you? Well, most weeks, um, Tuesday is probably my most important day for sermon prep. I, I take Mondays off. Um, now, this Tuesday, I, I'm a little behind this week because, you know, 4th of July and we had a bunch of people over and I was slaving over the grill for a couple hours cooking a bunch of hot dogs and hamburgers. Nice. But, yeah, um, holidays holidays are worthless as pastors. It just sets us yes, behind. pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but Tuesdays is when I really just try to get into the, you know, into the text. And I, I'll, you know, read through the passage several times and I, I actually take notes. You know, I type out notes on on a computer and um, break it up, you know, into, you know, verses. And then, you know, and first I'm just looking, OK, what is this saying to me? And I type that out. And then I um, Ed Robeson was a big fan of Bible works. <laughs> and so even though they don't you know, they're not supporting it anymore. I mean, I. I cling to Bible works mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it's been such a useful tool. And I, I've tried using other things uh, like logos and, and some other things, but I, I'm just so used to using the Bible works. I just, so uh, anyway. Um, so I, you know, so I, I kind of look at things and then, you know, if there's questions, I, I don't really necessarily do translation work, um, but I'll, I'll look at the text and if there's, you know, Okay, well, what is that word? Maybe do some word studies, looking up words, and um, you know, just trying to. Then, then I um, so different like commentaries. I I kind of have a pattern of um, something old, something new, um, something technical, and something pastoral, so that I can really get you know what are what are saying about this passage. Um, and then kind of work this. I try to get the bulk of that work done on Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday is just trying to, you know, fill in some of those blanks. Uh, I might, as I'm walking in the morning, I might listen to a sermon on the passage. Uh, but, you know, it's just, and that's why I think Tuesday is really important because I, I'm trying to get all that information and then you just sort of stew on it for a while. Um, Usually Friday, I always have a goal of trying to do the sermon writing on Friday. Sometimes I get started, but it, it, I had this weird pattern. So <laughs> I, I get focused. I mean, oftentimes I'll go down to church where it's pretty quiet and, and no distractions. It takes me a while to kind of get settled and then I'll get started and then I'll start dozing off. 
So I was like, all right, I'll go to the nursery, take a 15-minute power nap. <laughs> and then it's just like, then I'm good, right? And I just kind of get in the zone, and blah, 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 next thing, and I'm just cranking it out. Nice. So I do that, try to get that started on Friday. Um, but then usually I'm, you know, and in, in wrapping it up on Saturday and fine-tuning it uh, throughout Saturday. So, and yeah, so I, I, I don't know if that answered all the, the questions, but. Yeah, Steve, you yeah. should get yourself a a kettlebell because um, I, I yes, keep one in my office. It, whenever I start to like get weary and everything, I just go do some Russian swings for a minute and a half or something. Get the blood, uh, yeah. blood plumping. I'm like, all right, yeah, ready to roll. Well, that's a, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I've done like planks, and, you know, all kinds of stuff and walk around, do some push ups or whatever. But it, and I found it's just it's just it's so much easier and faster just to take the nap. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. What, uh, what are you currently preaching through right now? So uh, I was preaching through uh, the book of James, um, but then in the summers. So back in I just back in two thousand and five, when I was still in Lisbon, I started this summers in the Psalms series. And when I came here to 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 Brian, I didn't I didn't start over. I mean, I guess I could have. That would have given me you know many years of old sermons. But I just picked up where I left off. And so, um, yeah, so I've just been preaching. I preach through the Psalms through the summer. Um, and so I just did Psalm 145. So get, getting in the mm. final stretch, I'll be finishing mm. up the Psalter this, uh, this summer. And, uh, and it's always, uh, it's always a refreshing break. I mean, I take other breaks, uh, maybe do a topical series here and there. Usually I typically just preach through a book. Um, but I will often do, you know, different topical series. Um, but, I always enjoy taking this summer break in the Psalms. Now, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I often thought about, you know, going back and, and just, I mean, I did, when I did Psalm 119, I just sort of did an overview mm. and I thought about, well, I could go through Psalm 119 or, you know, maybe I'll just start back at the beginning and, uh, and then just, you know, work through it again. So, but it's, it's just, it's always just been a, a rich blessing. So, so I just finished, you know, I'm still in, just finished James chapter three, like two weeks ago, and I'll pick that up in September. And, uh, but now I'm, you know, Psalm 145 this week. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's, it's very good. Very, any more questions on preaching? Mr. Smith. All right. So, uh, we are a little itty bitty tiny denomination. Um, many people have no idea who we are. They've never heard of a reformed Presbyterian before. And, Often, whether you're, you know, talking with uh, another Christian from another church and they ask where you go, you say, well, I go to this Reformed Presbyterian church, or maybe you're doing door-to-door -door evangelism. They ask where you're from. Well, I'm from Reformed Presbyterian church, yada, yada, yada. One of the questions that we'll often get is, what is a Reformed Presbyterian? So how would you describe or explain what it is to be a Reformed Presbyterian to, to somebody who has never heard of us? I've got some follow-up questions after that, but um, yeah. fundamentally, what is a Reformed Presbyterian? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. And, you know, when I saw that, I thought, well, you could answer it this way for people who sort of have a church background. But then mm -hmm. there's another. You, yep. But mm -hmm. then I was thinking, how would you answer that question to somebody who doesn't really have a church background? <laughs> so anyway, I think just in general, typically the first thing that that you want to I don't know, you, I, I always feel compelled is to make the distinction we're not the liberal Presbyterian church. <laughs> sure. Beca mm -hmm. Because most people that's, they just think Presbyterian, it's all one church. Um, so basically, you know, we're a very conservative uh, Presbyterian church. Uh, you know, we have a, a high view of the scriptures um, as our, you know, our uh, supreme authority and, and our infallible rule for faith and life. And I think it was the RP church in particular, not only just the high view of the scriptures, but a, a real commitment to applying the scriptures to every area of life. And of course, that ties in, you know, if it's somebody that has a that's a Christian that has some background, that ties into like the mediatorial kingship aspect that Christ is over all of our lives. And it's, you know, living out our faith isn't just what we do for an hour on Sunday morning. Um, but it's, it's what we do throughout the, throughout the week. Um, and so I, I think, um, uh, yeah, just, and, and, you know, reformed, I mean, I think about that, 
we have a little pamphlet and I mean, it's, it's not new to us. I think it's, it might even be printed by crown and covenant, you know, reformed Presbyterian church, you know, reformed goes back to the reformation. Mm. And that's where I was thinking, you know, people who are unchurched might not even know what the reformation is. Even a lot of Christians don't even know what the reformation is. Um, but just, you know, the, the doctrines of grace, um, and the, the emphasis on, you know, maybe the five solas are bringing that out. Um, and the Presbyterian just refers to our style of government and the church that were, you know, God's called out people um, that he that he um, calls us to to assemble together. Um, so, you know, and as far as I, I'm trying to think of specifically the RP church, just the commitment to the scriptures, you know, and, and again, that, you know, even the way that we worship um you know, is guided by the scriptures, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so we have a very simple, simple uh, approach to worship that we only worship as God has commanded in his word. And, um, and this kind of, I'll lead this into, um, yeah, I think that might be, I hadn't really thought about too much of it, but, you know, but just leading into, I think the, there was a question about, you know, what I love about the RP church and, and I think definitely um, the worship, is um you know i just i just love the rp worship um you know that we're going back to when i was you know a student at geneva and and i'd go to college hill and you know there's 200 voices singing acapella the psalms and it was just beautiful and then i go go home to my little pca church and there's the piano banging in the and it's like, what is that noise, you know? <laughs> um, and so it, it really just draws you in, I think. And 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 also just that, you know, our worship is just it's just saturated with the scriptures, right? We're we're reading the scriptures. Um, you know, prayers are often informed by the scriptures. Uh, obviously, preaching the word, and then we're singing the word. Mm -hmm. And and I really think that's one of the the best things that the RP Church has to offer is is just our high view of the scriptures and that we really um you know just the our worship is just the scripture um and and i think you know just the connectedness of the rp church yeah it is a small group but you know we had somebody visiting just this past lord's day who's going to be moving down here he's uh going to be teaching at uh texas a&m and he you know kind of grew up in the north hills congregation and so like immediately oh okay well i know all these people that you know <laughs> um and so there's you know so there's this connectedness um and i really appreciate because it, it played such an important part in my own spiritual development you know just the, the rp church's focus on the youth and the opportunities given to young people. Now we're, we don't have our own youth group because we're pretty small uh, congregation here at Living Way, but just the, the presbytery camps, um, the, the youth retreats um, ha are just huge blessings. Um, TFY has been a great blessing to my kids as, as they've gotten old enough to, to go to that. Um, I think the short-term missions, I don't know, I wasn't at Synod, so it seems like they're, shifting direction a little bit um because it maybe 10 years ago it seemed like what a great opportunity to offer you know college students opportunity to go on these short-term missions and even if they're not going to go into missions long term it really you know helps to equip them to be better servants you know in the local church um and so i think you know just those things i really i really love about the rp church yeah, you know, it's, it kind of connects to what you said earlier about uh, preaching, um, just the the focus on the the scriptures and how you know we worship from the scriptures, uh, singing the psalms. We had uh, this guy come in yesterday. He's a fire marshal. We have a daycare that rents half our building from us, and he was going in to kind of inspect all their stuff. And he's walking through our building and he's looking around. And he's we have a projector um, that I actually didn't even know what we had. It's up on the ceiling. He's like, you guys have a projector, huh? Do you, do you use this? It's like, I, that's the first time I've seen it. I don't, I don't really know. And he's like, yeah, the church that, that I'm going to, 
Like there's like three verses that get put on the projector and then, and then nothing. He's like, do you guys, do you guys have Bibles in your pews? And I was like, yeah. let me show you something. Not only do we have yeah. Bibles, but we sing from the Bible. I was just showing them the Psalms and everything. And it was yeah. a, it was a fun experience to talk about. Yeah. Like we get to, we get to sing the word of God, um, which is, it's a, it's a novelty um, in the church today, though. That's not by choice from us. It's more that the church has right. unfortunately drifted away from it, but yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things I really love about uh, the RPCNA is our worship. Um, Joe, I'll put you on the spot. What's what's something that you really like about um, the RPCNA? I think I think that would be likewise the commitment to the confession. I'm a I'm a fan of our testimony. I like that we are committed to continuing to uh, testify to the faith and to apply it in our modern context and i think that's a principle of always reforming and, and continuing to apply that I, I too love the doctrine of uh mediatorial kingship of christ and just as i've continued to develop in my knowledge of that and then um yeah i mean those would be those would be some of the distinctive things so i would be in line with steve there how about you mr murray oh well i mean i kind of talked about the the psalms um and i think what you said, Steve, the, the connectedness of the RP church is, is, is a beautiful thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's also a danger, I think. Um, yeah. all, all of these things, you know, they're, they're positive and they're blessings, but uh, you know, we can turn Psalm singing into an idol, um, which is kind of counterintuitive to, <laughs> to singing the Psalms themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, think, yeah go ahead. I, I was going to say like that connectedness, you know, can be an issue. And I know it's, you know, some of the things that Synod has dealt with over the last couple of years, um, you know, the difficult decisions and, and issues, cases that have been brought forth. One of the reasons that they've been so difficult is because of that connectedness. Um, and, you know, that's every, everybody knows who these, these men are and they, they're, some are even related to them. Um, and, and that can be a real challenge when you know you've got to do the thing that needs to be done and the right thing um but it can be a, it can be a real a hindrance and a challenge but you know i'm all, always amazed you know you talk to maybe an op pastor and and you know they say oh you know i'm an op pastor and it's like oh well you know do you, do you know so and so mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're like no i don't never heard of them <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know of course you couldn't even begin to you know the opc you might have a chance where they might know that but the pca not likely at all whereas you know i haven't you know met all the pastors in the rp church but i know who they are i know mm -hmm. their names mm -hmm. um and at some point i probably will meet them um and i think that that's a you know that's a, a great thing too um is just knowing knowing who you're in in ministry with yeah, yeah, Steve. There's this uh, there's this cool little podcast called the Blue Banter that's uh, actually seeking to interview all of the RP pastors to kind of yeah. help with that that connectedness. That's, I uh, mean, that sounds like uh, a great idea. Yeah, you know, right. I wish somebody would come up with something like that. <laughs> that's funny, yeah. Steve. Um, when when Paul reached out to us and sent an email, uh, one of the things he was hoping that we would ask you about, and and maybe even some future guys uh, about Texas is, I mean, Texas is this. This vast land and by RP standards seems to be uh, blowing up in recent, um, you know, recent history with with numerous church plants and church organizations and continuing church plants. And so just wondering if a guy from Texas could tell us uh, people outside of Texas a little more about what the Lord is doing in Texas through the RP church and, and even just the basic facts of where where we have churches and just why people should be excited about the what what the lord is doing through the rp church in texas yeah okay yeah so just a little bit of uh kind of back history um so the rp church there were two rp congregations in texas uh in the early part of the 20th century um i think one was near corpus christi so kind of way down south on the coast and the other one was way up in the texas panhandle so, you know, almost about as far as you can get apart from one another in Texas. And I, I I haven't really looked into the history of those churches, but it'd be interesting to find out, you know, how they got started. 
but they both lasted about six to eight years, I think. Um, basically, in the yeah, in the first decade of the twentieth century, and then they closed for I'm not, I'm not sure why, but they closed. And then in the uh, late 1990s, mid to late 1990s, there was a mission work in Midland, Texas, so out west Texas. And when I was at seminary, there was actually a guy at the seminary who was from that work. Um, and then, but during the time we we're in seminary, it just kind of closed up or whatever. And so he ended up staying in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's actively ministering, but... Um, uh, so anyway, so that was the you know one attempt. Well, then in 2012 is when the Living Way congregation was established as a mission church, and and the group here started with some families uh, from a family who had only been a part of the RP Church for like three years in Indiana. Um, I think they were in Lafayette, beautiful state, by the way. Pardon? <laughs> I said it's a beautiful state, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you know, you're talking earlier about Marion and somebody, and I, I think our elder, who was the, this family, uh, Sean McDevitt, he grew up in Indiana, and I think he, when he was at Synod last year, I, I think he proposed to his wife somewhere See? in that general area. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous area. So he keep, keep pushing that uh, Marion tourism. <laughs> New, the new the, the Vegas of the uh, mid, yeah. mid Midwest, I guess. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if I'd make that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so so 1990s was the work in Midline. We started in uh, work here started in 2012. Dallas got started within six months, probably about six months later, 2013. Um, when they were established as a mission church. Now, they were actually able to organize faster because Mark Kohler was uh, was there on site. And the folks here in, you know, uh, and Brian, there was no ordained leadership on site. I mean, we had, you know, they had the commission. Uh, Jonathan Leach was coming up from San Antonio, and they had a couple men, retired men, come for, uh, you know, extended stays. Um, but there were no elders, no uh, no church planner for about five years until we we came in uh, in 2017. So uh, so we're 2012. Dallas was 2013. I think it was like maybe about a year later. Dallas organized. Um, we organized in September of 2018. Earlier of that year and January. January 2018, the San Antonio work was established as a mission church. Uh, they just organized. Um, I served on that commission. San Antonio just organized this past May. Oh, wow. um, and so we're we're really very excited about that. And then the uh, the work in Dallas uh, started uh, was established as a mission church in 2021 uh, at our uh, fall presbytery meeting in 2021. Uh, but we didn't, I mean, they were meeting as a group. Actually, the Barr family had been members um, of our congregation. He was a student at A&M. Uh, and then they, he got a job in, in Houston. And um, they were originally, you know, getting involved in a different church, but it didn't seem like it was going to work out. And so they had gotten connected with some other folks that were interested in pursuing an RP work. And so... So, uh, so we got involved with that. So here, you know, we were kind of like a church plant and we're sort of kind of daughtering a congregation. Mm -hmm. It's only, mm -hmm. it's an hour and a half away. So it's a little bit of a challenge. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, so they've been established as Miss Church since uh, 2021. And uh, uh, San Antonio, we organized, but just with ruling elders. I mean, Jonathan Leach, uh is was installed as a rolling elder although he still continues to do some of the preaching there uh but they're actively looking for uh you know for a, a pastor to come in um and Houston we've we've had a couple of um maybe setbacks which just happens with church planning you take a few steps forward and then you take a couple of steps back um and so we're um 
looking. I think our focus at this point, and we're still kind of looking for a church planner, but we're looking for maybe a retired guy to come down for a couple, you know, maybe at least a couple weeks at a time um, just to really spend time with the people. One of the things that I think is challenging when you're church planning, you know, establishing these congregations that are so far away from other congregations. And in Texas, we're all pretty well spread out. Um, the closest. So us between Brian and Houston is the closest. And it's about an hour, half hour, 45 minutes. Um, but is just really trying to build like an RP identity. And, you know, I know even in our own congregation, this has been one of my, the things that I've been really thinking of is, you know, how do I get the folks here to, you know, to be RP <laughs> um, and, you know, and to be committed to the RP church, because I don't want them to be just committed to me uh, or, Hey, here's a, you know, a good reform church, but I want them to be committed to the RP church. And, um, and I think the home mission board has, they published a little booklet, you know, lessons learned from church planning. And that's one of the key things um, of lessons learned is this whole thing where, you know, especially with some of the newer church plants, it's more of just, Hey, here's a reform Psalm singing church that we can go to, but it's not, there's not really a connection to the broader church, the RP church. And so, so that's something that, you know, I mean, that might, might even be a prayer item, not just for our congregation, but just for all the churches here in Texas um, to really get connected and, and be connected to the broader RP church. And this hopefully helps that because we're getting information out about, hey, this is what's going on in, in Texas. Now, currently, Dallas is doing an exploratory work in the the mid cities region, which is between Dallas and and Fort Worth. Um, we've got a guy out in uh, Amarillo who's um, looking to come in. He's a he's a OPC pastor. He's looking to come into the RP Church and eventually, I think, has the hope and desire to to establish something there in, in the Amarillo area. Um, so, you know, even as we're still trying to solidify where we are and what we have, you know, the Lord just keeps opening doors. We we had uh, we explored Waco um, maybe about two years ago with a group, um, but, you know, kind of realized there were there was one family who was had an RP background, um, but the other families didn't. Um and there were some theological issues there too so we we didn't uh pursue that but again you know texas is a big baptist methodist area um and so reformed and presbyterian i mean there's you know the pca has got a pretty good presence and and the opc maybe not quite as much um but Anyways, but, you know, we need more Reformed Presbyterian congregations, just Reformed and Presbyterian congregations in Texas, because it's a huge place. One of the things that we are also been thinking more about, at least I've been thinking about more, um, is ministry to the uh, Hispanic community. Um, we have a pretty significant Hispanic, Hispanic community here in the Bryan College Station area. Uh, Houston, um, the, the Houston work, actually, there's some folks there that are involved in that work who, you know, are Hispanic background. And, and so that again, sort of opens up some, some new doors of ministry and opportunity. And so that's one of the things that we're praying about too, is just that, uh, you know, we do this, um, uh, we have an annual event in our congregation, a clothing giveaway event. And it's just, it's just a way to reach out to the community and, we open up the church and we get donations for clothes and people come. Uh, well, this past, the past two years, probably about 80% of the folks that have come are, are Hispanic. And thankfully they bring their younger children with them who, you know, understand the English a little bit better so we can communicate with the children. But even just to have the opportunity to sort of pray with, with these folks, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. And so I, 
you know, I'm I'm working on Duolingo, trying to brush up on my on my Spanish. Nice. Um, and even just looking at trying to get some Spanish resources um, <clears throat> to be able to hand out next year. I go to a, in the we we rent a uh, a suite in a an older shopping center. And my the facility we we move, we moved facilities about two years ago to to something larger, but we're within the same building. Well, the place where we were before, there's a barber in there now, and so that's I. I go to go to him. He's he's Hispanic. And so I told him, I said, look, you know, I need to have you come down, you know, next time we do this. So you so you can pray, help me pray with people. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so so I know that's you know, Texas, there's a lot, I guess just uh I keep meandering there, but uh, but there's a lot going on in Texas and just be praying, praying for these opportunities, especially San Antonio needing a pastor and and uh Houston. Uh, needing a pastor and uh, and especially for Houston um, needing the Lord to raise up some some good ruling elders uh, as well. Well, listeners, you know how to pray for Texas and for a lot of these uh, church plants. This leads perfectly into our bonus question. And this question comes oh uh, by way of a listener, actually, Sean McPherson, which is the most Scotch Irish name I've ever heard in my life. I feel like I need to be drinking a Guinness when I say his name, but uh, Sean's a deacon there in the, the Wilkinsburg congregation where Pete Smith uh, pastors. But he uh, he asked us to ask some of the pastors that we have on here, how can listeners be praying uh, for your particular congregation? So what, what are some of the prayer requests that you are comfortable sharing with uh, our listener base um, regarding the congregation that the Lord's placed you in? Yeah, I think um, we're really thinking about, you know, trying to be more focus on reaching out you know we we were really you know for longest time we're just you know we're, we're trying to get this work started and established and we've we've been able to do that by god's grace and um and so a couple of things that we've been able to ex- begin to expand into one is uh a kind of a reach out ministry to the university texas a&m is you know one of the i think it's one of the larger universities in the nation um they have like I don't know seventy thousand students, and they're keep building and want want more. Um, and we do have a few students who come, um, and and so kind of using that group of students. One of our members uh, has uh, has begun a, a study uh, like twice a month, and uh, and so we're hoping that that grow t- takes root. And as they, you know, these students that we have. You know, the one guy already has invited, you know, a friend of his. Um, and uh, so it, that's that's something that we were really excited about to see um, is just that ministry grow. Um, and then also we're doing some neighborhood uh, outreach stuff, kind of just going around different uh, neighborhoods. There's a quite we've done the neighborhood around the church, right immediately around the church area. Now we've moved to a neighborhood close by where one of our elders lives. And we're just basically, we've gone out maybe two times. Um, I just get a map, you know, and, and I draw, draw a map for everybody. Okay. Here's where we're going today. And we just keep expanding out uh, through that neighborhood. Cause it's a pretty large neighborhood. Um, and we, we've kind of taken a break cause it's now, you know, hitting, 90 degrees by 10 o'clock in the morning so mm-hmm. we'll we'll uh pick that up in the fall but uh it's it's awkward and it's hard but i think the more we've been able to do it the more comfortable people have gotten and the kids are are eager to be involved um and so you can be praying for for that outreach summertime is one of the times of year where it seems we get a lot of visitors because you have people um, moving into town, oftentimes somehow connected to the university. And uh, and so it seems like a lot of the families that we have kind of gained have come to us, you know, uh, who have moved out. Mo- most of our families in the congregation are not native Texans. Um, a lot of our transplants, we, we do have uh, two native Texans, uh, but 
yeah so so that's something that i think you can be praying for is just that uh you know as that we're ready to receive those visitors um we also have some uh some families that are facing challenges with caring for uh, elderly parents and uh that place is you know i mean it's a it's a wonderful ministry on you know an honoring of the fifth commandment um but it's also it's it's got challenges and it can be can be draining um and so just pray for those families that are in those situations that the lord would sustain them um you know for some it means they've they've got to take a little bit more time to get to worship or you know maybe they're not able to make every everything just because of what's what's going on so um yeah, I don't know if that's specific. I think just pray for um, for some of our our young people. We have um, some folks now. I'm, I'm hopeful that my son is he's home for the summer. He's doing an internship, and uh, which we're hoping will turn into a a permanent position. Um, and you know when you when you're trying to plan a church, and even if you have an existing congregation. You want to try to have at least certain representatives from each age group, <laughs> and so we're we're kind of missing uh, young adults and young married couples, and uh, and so that's kind of the we have some you know some families, uh, some older folks, and you know lots of little kids, but you know young adults, young married couples is kind of where we're we're really hoping the Lord provides, um, and the the point there is when you have another couple come or you know people come to visit oh i'm not the only one <laughs> you just need at least one committed uh to the work uh to be there and then you get another to join so that's that's kind of the way we approach it sure sure, sure. well there you go there are some ways that you can pray for a living way reformed presbyterian church so thank you sean for giving us that question mr smith are you ready for our mystery question Yep. So that was the bonus question. Now here comes the mystery theological question. And oh uh, this, this one will wrap up uh, our four-part look at this question. Steve, over the last four weeks, we've been looking to finally, once and for all, solve the identity of Melchizedek. We want to know what does Steve Rockhill think? Is Melchizedek a type of Christ or was Melchizedek, in fact, the pre-incarnate Christ himself. What says Pastor Rockhill? Okay. Uh, definitely a type. Um, but I don't think we have enough information to determine if it's, you know, if, if he was a, a pre-incarnate. I mean, I think when you uh, read, like in Hebrews, you know, he was a man. Um, and... You know, yeah, he doesn't have any genealogy, but I think that, you know, the writer of the Hebrews is looking at that and it's like, hey, here's this guy who just appears out of nowhere. But he was the king of a particular place that is known. Um, and even if there's no historical record of that place. So so definitely in the type camp, I'm I, I guess I'm open to the whole pre-incarnate uh position. Um but but unless unless there's further revelation <laughs> uh i don't think we can really know but sure. I, well, we can know he's at least the type of christ yeah well, maybe, maybe there's well. further revelation in the book of laodicea that paul writes that we don't have so who knows right there you go <laughs> well i mean i think that i mean it's three to one type so our dearly beloved professor cj williams loses this one i guess and jeff stuyveson gets the last laugh as having 75% of the answers uh, his way. So, yeah, very good. Very good. Close us out, Mr. Murray. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Blue Banter Podcast. Our guest today has been Stephen Rockhill, pastor of Living Way Reformed Presbyterian Church. We do thank you, Mr. Bart, for recommending him to us. If you uh, want to go online and do some uh, interesting theological reading, you can go to purelypresbyterian.com, which is uh, a website run. And I think... Uh, uh, written by uh, Paul Bart himself on uh, good uh, theological articles. So I uh, point you in that direction. 
Uh, if you like this episode, we ask that you rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast catcher you use. Please share this episode on social media with your friends. You can email us at the blue banter podcast at gmail.com. If you have questions that you would like us to ask pastors, or if you would like us to, re- or if you would like to recommend us to interview your pastor, and we do get those emails and we do take you up on those emails. So uh, please send them our way. And until next time, whether you eat, drink, or banter, do all to the glory of God. And we'll give you a big howdy to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>